Hi, I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for mm M&M, and welcome to the mm M&M Podcast. I hope you're well and staying safe during this difficult time. My guest today is Bakul Patel, who has been leading regulatory and scientific efforts related to digital health devices at the FDA since 2010. And we're going to be talking about a new role for Bakul. He's going to be leading FDA's new Digital Center Health, excuse me, Digital Health Center of Excellence. On September 22nd, FDA announced the launch of this new center within the Center of Devices and Radiological Health. It was built by Commissioner Stephen Hahn as kind of the next stage in applying a comprehensive approach to digital health technology. The launch of the center, FDA stated, is an important step in furthering the agency's overarching dedication to the advancement of digital health technology, including mobile health devices, software as a medical device, wearables when used as a medical device, and technologies used to study medical products. We'll find out more from Bakul in a moment. First, a few housekeeping items, as we always do on the podcast. Uh, our awards ceremony for the uh, MMM Awards is coming up next Thursday, October 8th. Uh, and uh, this is going to be our first uh, completely virtual awards ceremony um, after doing it for uh, many years live. Uh, and we have an excellent, excellent uh, program in store. So please be sure to, to register uh, and attend that one. Um, and then following that, uh, the following month in, in November, uh, on the 12th, we have our media summit coming up. Uh, this is the first inaugural uh, media summit for MMM. And given all of the changes on the, on the media front uh, from point of care uh, to social media and uh, traditional as well, um, this promises to be a great event as well. Um, okay, so um, uh, those are the housekeeping items. Back to our interview with Bakul. First of all, how are you? It's been a while. I think the last time we spoke was back in uh, 2016. Um, I'm doing really good, Mark, and thank you for having me on your podcast. And I'm really, it's really uh, a pleasure to talking to you again and discussing this this uh, these important topics. So thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. I mean, um, you know, even even back then, uh, you were you know, the, uh, the person to talk to, you know, to, to make sense of this evolving landscape, you know, vis-a-vis, uh, I guess, industry's relationship with it and, uh, and you know, the, the regulatory uh, affairs aspect of it. Um, so, you know, we're really thrilled to, to have you involved again. Um, you know, let, let's just get into it here. Uh, you know, talk about this, this new Digital Health Center of Excellence. What are the center's priorities, you know, research and otherwise? Yeah, I'm... I'm- I'm happy to talk about those. I think the fundamental premise for the center's priorities is to start driving synergies in all efforts that are happening at, at FDA, at CDRH, and in the creating this platform of connecting um, different efforts, as well as trying to trying to sh- become this knowledge hub or actually empower this knowledge knowledge hub for stakeholders as well, so they can understand what the regulatory expectations are. And we can sort of be in the same, we as an FDA be in the same place where, where we, are, we are trying to create this ecosystem which will drive towards evidence-based digital technologies. In terms of priorities, the very first thing that we want to do is create this forum of collaboration within, the F, within CDRH and then the next step would be within FDA. And which will start driving um, sort of the common understanding within the center. Uh, we are also going to start the next thing we will probably do, uh, perhaps not in the sequential way, but we'll start want, want to do as a priority is to start creating uh, this, um, this connections with in various industries and stakeholder sort of groups 
and I, I just want to don't want to just talk about just the developer community, but also sort of the investment community as well as the provider community and the patient community. So how do you bring all those those communities together? How do you have a common dialogue? And that's our first phase of setting up collaboration, setting up the stage for for talking to each other and making sure we are aligned in priorities. Hmm. So um, it, it, it kind of marks the beginning then of, of this more kind of comprehensive approach to digital yeah. health technology where you're being more collaborative. How do you intend to um, kind of spur that kind of collaboration among stakeholders? So, um, and if you haven't noticed on October 19th, we are holding our first listening session. And, and the concept of the listening session is going to be more of a, you know, let's, let's share what people think this center of excellence can sort of serve. What is it that we can add value to this ecosystem? There's lots of work being happening, and I don't think there's any, any reason for us to duplicate those works as an FDA or other stakeholders. So if we, if we start hearing what people want the center of excellence to start doing, we can start looking at the priority. So the very first step, obviously, is to understand what our customers need from, from the center of excellence. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, makes sense as the first step. Um, I also wanted to ask you, you know, what has changed? I think, you know, some people might be wondering, you know, what the center is going to be doing differently than the Centers for um, Diagnostic and Radiological Health have been doing or had been doing the day before the announcement vis-a-vis -vis digital health. Yeah, absolutely. I think as we had been working on digital health for a very long time with a very very you know, sharp focus on devices and the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, that hasn't changed. So we're still within the Center for Radio Devices and Radiological Health. But what is going to change from here on is there are efforts within the center itself, within the Center for Devices, that have been touching and working on various aspects such as cybersecurity, um, in silico modeling, advanced manufacturing. And we want to bring those, tech, those sort of efforts that are going forward and connect the dots and making sure it's not, it's just not about variables. It's not just about, you know, making sure trials are done in a most efficient way, but we're looking at an entire spectrum. So we're trying to bring those other activities into a virtual environment that, that becomes focused and driven towards the digital health world that we're heading into. And using technology, using software, using machine learning and AI to drive production and manufacturing to drive clinical trials on the front end, trying to sort of get some, uh, get some technologies in terms of how people can sort of understand what's, what's coming out, what the education starts to look like, how do you start pointing to the right resources? And that's, that's what's going to change as we, start, as we start moving into this collaborative phase. Okay, so you'll be promulgating you know, some of that education uh, for, for mm -hmm. stakeholders. Okay, great, great. Makes sense. Um, you know, a lot of the sort of devices and technology that, that you mentioned, uh, wearables and, um, you know, um, off-site clinical trials, if you will, have really been flourishing uh, from, from what I've been, I've been reading, you know, during the pandemic um, as, um, you know, the, the move to lockdown has really uh, increased adoption of remote monitoring technology and, and digital health. What's changed for the field since March? I think um, a lot of people are uh, are trying to get to a place where we can start um, start doing the trials in a different way, in a more remote way, 
how do we sort of start trusting that that remote way? I think that's the next question as we're as we're heading into it. What what I feel people are sort of uh, trying to explore is how do we use these tools to actually monitor uh, subjects in a in a clinical study um, to understand the same things that we used to do um, in in a study where you, where somebody comes to a clinic and a, and a physician sees sees them. There's a bunch of things that are, that are going to be still need to be happening, but if that can be minimized, I think digital health technology sort of will help minimize those interactions, um, physical interactions um, in a clinical trial itself. So I, I'm, I'm seeing that direction going, but I'm also seeing the need that people are asking for a lot more you know, confidence in those technologies that they can now start trusting that the information gotten from them is actually something that can be relied on for a trial. Hmm. Okay. And um, how will the um, center kind of um, answer that call for, for more trust in, in the data coming from those kinds of clinical trials? Yeah, I, I give you a couple of very specific examples, Mark. I think one, one specific example is somebody is validating a six minute walk test with some technology. Now, there's no reason for the same six-minute walk, walk test for a particular technology or particular manufacturer's technology uh, to be revalidated for a different study. So we're, we're trying to gather up research priorities in this area, and that's going to be our first sort of ask in, um, for, for the public listening session we are holding. And also internally, people are seeing what are the, what are the first things that people, people want to sort of see solved and at the very minimum, I feel like we can gather up that to, if there's no research happening, which I really doubt, there's plenty of research happening, um, then, um, uh, then we need to sort of make sure that it's, it's amplified, it's one reused. And that's, that's what the Center of Excellence can sort of provide and provide, provide support. Now, if that's not happening, if there's no research happening and, and we need to do this research and it's a common interest for a lot of people and a lot of sort of applications, then I think that's the priority we'll want to take on. And this is the next step we will go and say, all right, what's that re next research agenda look like from, a, from an FDA perspective? Mm -hmm. What else do people want to see solved other than you know, this area of clinical trials? I, I see people, um, people, well, of course, obviously the clinical trials and, and efficiencies in that is, is great. I also see um, the remoteness um, of, that has been, that's been amplified in the space right now in the current situation we're in. Um, is trusting these technologies to provide that, um, provide that diagnostic capability or the mental health sort of capability or therapeutic capability? I'm seeing a lot of people asking and looking into doing, uh, doing those kind of applications. That's very, very device-centric. And I would say one other thing that's sort of emerging, uh, which is sort of unique for us, is um, the public health or the population health aspect um, uh, that is sort of being amplified, that's been amplified and sort of being brought to the front with this pandemic is becoming much more powerful when you have connected technologies powered by software and machine learning and this bigger insights we're seeing at a population level is something absolutely people are looking for taking advantage of in the future. Okay, yeah. 
how have the regulations changed to accommodate emergency uses of technology and could these changes become permanent? Well, it's, I think I think it's going to be evidence-based. So FDA is always scientific and evidence-based, for, uh, has an approach towards that. So, you know, the regulations have uh, provided, um, and, and under, our, under our authorities, we have provided our, um, our emergency use authorization for the emergency that we are in. Uh, however, I think there is, with these types of technology, I think the opportunities that people are sort of using, I'm, I'm hoping that's what's going on, is people are collecting the benefits and risks of this remoteness and the use of the technology in this remote setting in the remote way. And based on that evidence, I think people, I feel that technologies will be evaluated for the continued remoteness or the continued sort of way to sort of uh, uh, deploy in the way we have been deployed, they have been deployed today. Now, of course, it's going to be a balance and we'll always, uh, we won't force people to do this, but the uh, sponsors of these technologies or sponsors of any medical devices are welcome to sort of start engaging with FDA as they're learning more with this experience they're, they're able to get to get to in this, in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, what kinds of uh, regulatory direction could be coming down the pike for digital health? Well, um, I think it's, uh, I mean, pre-certification is one of the things that we're looking for. And one of the pillars of our digital health center of excellence is regulatory innovation. And um, what I see this center of excellence is going to do is to try to get to a place where we can innovate in our regulatory approaches, taking advantage of this connectivity, taking advantage of how we are, um, we are, we are going to look at evidence and how can we how can we reuse information that will support that evidence and how we are going to take that in the next step? So we want to, as part of the center of excellence, we want to promote regulatory innovation, just like you know any other organization would like to do in and take advantage of the situation as we have today. Okay, so kind of leaving the door open, um, you know, I, I kind of got the message earlier that you know you want to try to help people to. Um, not reinvent the wheel, um, you know, by kind of sharing best practices and that kind of thing. But it sounds like you're leaving the door open for, uh, as you put it, promoting regulatory innovation. So we, we might see uh, some rulemaking uh, potentially coming down the pike. We we may we may start with with some experiments. I would say rather than rulemaking before we get to rulemaking. I think we want to make sure rulemaking. Uh, happens when we know exactly how we want to set the set the programs, right? As we start thinking about it, but there may be ways how we review things, how we mm-hmm. look for information, what kind of information we want to look for, and and maybe we we pre-certification is like a big program, but there may be small chunks of experimentation and you know innovative regulatory ways we can sort of do, um, based just basically driven by this remoteness that we are living in. And that will help us get more efficient. That will help people provide us better information, and so on. So I think we're. I I want to see use of more data, use of more objectiveness in sort of how people present information to FDA, and and I'll support the reviewers who can truly make those decisions in a in an objective way, more quicker, more efficient. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned that the FDA pre-cert pilot a couple of times there. Um, just for, for people that aren't familiar with that, um, or might, might need a kind of a refresher on that, 
Um, can, can you explain what that is and kind of give an update on, on where we are with that, that pilot? Of course. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, we started off about a couple of years ago in 2017 and launched this program where we have this concept of can, an, can FTA uh, look at not only the product before it goes to market, but also understand the entities and the developers making the product and you know, bookend that with, with this concept of how the product is actually working in the field. When you combine those two, three aspects, I think we are looking for opportunities for information that, that may be rich and we can, we, can, we can no longer, we don't have to just rely on one piece of information or one point in time mm -hmm. of the life cycle, but through the entire life cycle and start thinking about if that information is available, can we answer uncertainties in, in a particular point in time and how do you sort of get there? So the concept was more of a, a product lifecycle approach of oversight, moving away from just episodic to a more continuous way of looking at you know, regu regulations and oversight from an FTA perspective. That's one, but becoming more data rich. Um, I, al I also use this analogy of, you know, you, you have TSA pre-check as a concept that you go to the, to the airport, but what, what has had transpired by you getting TSA pre-check is you have, um, you have given data and information uh, to, to TSA in exchange, you get a better experience at the airport. And, and that's kind of the, the fundamental concept that we are shooting for is how can we get better experience for developers uh, ahead of time um, and also make sure that if they're not there, they know what the expectations are. So when they're ready, they can provide that, provide that information to us. So transparency and from regulatory expectations, better experience in exchange for information that allow us to sort of not not become a, a phase gate kind of approach and more of a more more of a smooth uh, transition to market is kind of what we're looking for. Now we have a small seven minute video on our website, and we can share that with you, Mark, later on, and and you can include it with this. That might be really helpful for people to understand where where we are in this preset and what the concept is. Um, okay, you okay. asked about the staff. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say you asked about the status. So it's a development program that we are working on. We're developing this preset program. So definitely, uh, what where we are is we we've been through our concept building stage. Last year, we tried to do a manual way of looking at how we can learn from the companies that we selected. There are nine companies we selected, and this year we have been looking at you know completely taking advantage of our remoteness. Um, how can we take the information we learned last year and trying to get to a more objective way of looking at information as opposed to, uh, and collecting that information for uh, for understanding how well the companies are doing? We're also experimenting within within our organization of how best to structure our data so we can get more objective. So it's going to the same path I talked earlier about regulatory innovation, but trying to do it in a more holistic, more de deliberative, and more careful way. Uh, that's where we are. I think we are, we are, we are not off the ground here, but we are purely, we are truly in our development phases. Mm. Okay, okay. You know, as, as much of the field is, you know, I guess um, so, so too is, is the uh, regular, regulatory aspect. It's the whole, you know, field is kind of uh, in, in a nascent stage. 
Right. Okay. Um, you know, shifting to your reflections, you know, I, I didn't want to let you go and before getting some of your reflections on consumer facing, consumer facing technology, excuse me, uh, like Apple Watch's new functionality and Amazon Halo's uh, introduction with voice enabled technology. What, what have you been most impressed with on the consumer technology scene as it relates to health, of course? Well, I, I'll, I'll say that I think some of these technologies are starting to build studies that can sort of bring evidence to the table. I, fi I find that really refreshing. I find that really, really promising because the field of medicine um, requires this evidence because you have a stakeholder um, who, who, is at, who is looking for that evidence to, to have that confidence, uh, which is the patient. And then you have this other stakeholder, which is the provider, who is also looking for evidence before they start managing their patients. So I think this, the space of healthcare is rich and probably the most demanding uh, space where evidence and science-based products actually win. And I, I find it refreshing to see all these, all these large companies in consumer technology are looking and trying to build that evidence for use of that consumer technology in this space. So I find that really good. Um, I would also say the, the advantage and sort of the promise of consumer technology being in the hands of patients is, is one very important sort of aspect that healthcare struggled with, struggles with is access patients having access to care. And I believe the, the sort of the in, incoming of all consumer technologies to all patients can really make a dent in that where patients and can really access health, the healthcare system in a, in a way that never happened before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's, it's big technology is becoming a great, equalizer as long as you have you know i guess broadband um and uh, smartphones and the other necessary capabilities but it is certainly um leveling the playing field there uh, to, to a great extent yeah um do you think that uh you know too many startups over the last six seven months have have pivoted toward COVID 19 you know is are you seeing a lack of differentiation in the solutions that startups are solving for, you know, are entrepreneurs still tackling the big hairy problems or, or is there too much me too um, in the digital health space? I, I think in the last few months, I feel like a lot of people, at least what I've seen, what I'm seeing is uh, the entrepreneur energy has moved towards solving COVID problem because, because it became very personal for a lot of people. I've seen a lot more people spend, invest, time in solving the population health problem with the COVID in front of us. So I'm seeing that. Um, I'm also seeing like there, there are folks who are trying to, trying to solve the big hairy problems as they were trying, trying to solve before. Like cardiology is like a very classic place. People are still working to figure out how do you get people to, to solve and manage um, the, those, those conditions. Diabetes is another place, so that's, that's happening. Uh, I would say the, the place where it's I would say that has shifted or increased in increasing sort of efforts is the mental health space. There's lots of efforts going on in the mental health space where there are truly some innovative approaches that people are looking for uh, as, 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 as we are all in our homes trying to, trying to work from home or actually just 
not not so um, not being socially connected but socially distant so i think that's that's kind of an interesting play sort of evolution that has happened in the last you know at least in the last eight to nine months absolutely that's a great point you know the shift to mental health um and the, and the greater awareness of it um certainly um accelerated by the pandemic has, has been a really nice uh silver lining if you will um to, to uh, repeat an oft-used uh, phrase. Okay, um, you know, any any kind of parting advice that you might leave for uh, digital therapeutics companies or even consumer-facing te technology companies and others um, who are considering whether to go the FDA uh, certification route for their digital health? You know, we've seen some companies um, that, you know, um, that are mainly consumer uh, go, uh, pursue FDA uh, regulation and, and, and others not. And, and then on the, on the flip side, companies that um, you would expect uh, to be pursuing FDA certification didn't. Uh, can you give any kind of uh, advice for, for people who may be wondering whether, whether to go that route or not? Yeah, my, my biggest recommendation for people who are, are contemplating that solution is um, or the pathways, I think FDA is far more open than you think um, people generally make it to be. Um, in fact, we have a common goal. We want you know, great technologies, which means great innovation, novel sort of approaches to go to the market, but we can't just do it because of, uh, we, are, we are awestruck by technology, but we want to be based on science and we want to be based on evidence. We want to be based on, you know, it is, will it actually work? Is it actually safe? Are, is it going to have, unintended consequences. So if you have these, these sort of same perspective, I think you should definitely connect with FDA, connect and have uh, initial conversations with the review teams and they will, they will help you get, get to the end point. But you have to have that. Um, I mean, I would re recommend people to have that sort of mindset because at the end of the day, you don't want a technology that doesn't work. You don't want a technology that, that is not safe. So if you, I, and I trust, I believe that you know everybody does not uh, does not want that. So if you if you're truly driving towards that patient, FDA's point of view is always going to be those two questions. And once we once you sort of are oriented that way, I think engage FDA. I think um, that that will be the next step. Yep, makes sense. Nor nor do you want to get ahead of yourself and and uh, you know assume that you don't need it and then get too far afield, you know, as we've seen some companies do, and then have to, you know, pull back um, because they, they didn't engage uh, with the FT early enough. So, uh, and I remember that you were kind of um, putting out that signal uh, the last time you spoke for us, you know, was, was don't be afraid, you know, give us a call, you know, we're, we're here to, uh, to advise you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank you, Bakul, for your time. Uh, it's great to reconnect with you. Yeah, no, thank you, Mark, for having me. And this has been really a pleasure and happy to connect with you again. Excellent. Yeah, I hope you don't uh, wait another four years to do it. Um, but uh, I want to wish you uh, success in, in this new role with the Digital Health Center of Excellence. Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing, hearing great things. And we'll, we'll uh, you know, catch up uh, for another update uh, after not, not too long. Thank you so much, Mark. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, 
Thank you, everybody out there for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us, uh, subscribe to the channel, help others enjoy the show or discover the show. Um, and uh, that'll do it for another edition of the MMNM podcast. Thank you again to our guest, Paul Patel, and uh, we'll see you all next time on the MMNM podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you.